Hey there, welcome to Free Life Chapel, where we help you discover and live the free life in Christ. My name is David, and we're so excited you tuned in today. Be sure to drop a comment below or visit us on our webpage at freelifechapel.org. But for right now, stay tuned for an amazing message. It's about to blow you away. So we're here on this day of, with, with the family. You're looking at four generations of Thomas up here. I know some of y'all thinking, no, I see three. Okay, look. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Elizabeth, you want to grab your microphone right here. Would you please tell us the name of the little one that you're carrying? Malachi Santiago. Malachi Santiago. And how far along are you? Seven months. Seven months. If we can get you like castor oil and do some jumping jacks, he might be here sooner. Like, yeah, no, okay, not going to work. No, no, no. Okay, he can okay. stay on time. He needs on, to on time. cook a little more. Do mid-January, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where we're headed. You're looking at three with a fourth on the way generation of Thomas, but this message isn't about the Thomases today. I want to give you a visual as to what this series is about. It's about kinfolk. It's about family. How many of you have some crazy kinfolk in your, in your family? Like that, that, that reunion, you know which picnic table not to sit at. You, you just, I'm just going to go to the other picnic table, right? How many of you are the crazy one in your kinfolk that they all look at you and go, okay, that one right there, that's a special one, right? Yeah, you, you're, you're, yeah. We all have some crazy kinfolk. What we're talking about, though, in this, in this series is the power of creating a godly Christian legacy. What does the Bible say? Families are all through the Bible. The first family, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. It's a family story. The very first thing that God birthed was not the church, but the family. And he said, I will build my church off of the family. In fact, let me put it this way. Your family is a church. Your home is a church. And then we come, we bring our churches together in here. But, but that's what he birthed. It's, the Bible's all a family story. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Grandfather, father, grandson. Uh, Noah and his family sailed through the flood. In, in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus' entire lineage is listed out there telling about all of Jesus' kinfolk. And all the folks in there, all up inside that world. Have you looked at your family tree and think, I probably need to prune this tree a little bit? Like, okay, this is like, we, there's some knots in here we need to cut out, right? I, I, no, we all have it. We all have it. And so the power of the family, the power of that and what it creates and what are God's promises related to that, that's what this is about Today, launching this, and then over the next couple of weeks, I want you to hang with us here as we're talking about creating this. I have my mom and dad with us here today. They served on staff at Free Life. They've been with us on full, well since the beginning of Free Life, and even before then, 14 years they served the ministry. Many of you have been with them and a part of their ministry all during those 14 years, but especially up until about three years ago, then they moved. They finally retired and moved back to Ohio, where it's cold up there. And so they moved to Ohio. My sister lives there, and so they're retired in that. But they came back down to be a part of this Legacy Sunday and talking about God's blessings generation to generation that continue to flow. And mom and dad, uh, thank you. 
uh, for number one, being with us. But more importantly today, thank you for the legacy that you started in creating a Christ-honoring family that would outlive one generation, two generations, go into a third, and actually birth a fourth generation. That I know you were raised in a Christian home, uh, principles there, uh, raised to go to church and know the word. Mom, you were raised in a non-Christian home, a uh, little Kentucky girl. Uh, that's why she can make biscuits and gravy so good. Uh, but, uh, look, okay, look, good. Kentucky, so Kentucky girl, uh, and uh, saved at the age of 15, going to church with her grandmother, Pentecostal church, and full-blown experience of who is Jesus and Holy Spirit working in your life and, and the Word coming alive. And, and then mom and dad got married in 19... What's your anniversary year, Dad? August 29, 1964, 7.30 p.m., Michigan. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that man knows details and names and dates and times like you would not believe. It, it, mind is sharp. Goodness, I pray for that. Prevagen, Prevagen, Prevagen. Uh, I, I need that. Um, so you've been married for 50, 57 years. 57 years, four months, 17 hours. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. 57 years of marriage. That alone makes you very odd, makes you very different, makes you non-normal, all right? And, and there's good times to be not normal. You all are married and planned to start a family you decided that you wanted to build a family that was going to be Christ-honoring. When you looked at launching and starting a family, of course, you couldn't see this far down the road. What was your goal? What was your thinking? What was the plan? What were some of the things that you decided to do that would help move your family forward to make sure that it was going to be that home that you knew it needed to be based on God's Word? We were too young and stupid to know all those questions. <laughs> but you did it. We wanted a Christian home. We was raising a, 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 my wife from the cold camps of Kentucky, I put shoes on her feet the first time we were married. <laughs> they were poor. But uh, We was raised in, a, in a, uh, a church that was very close-knit, a lot of activities, young couples that we became very close friends with. And so it became really a, a really a camaraderie relationship with others in the church. And we wanted to have a, a Christian home, a Christian family. It was uh, fundamental to us, and that was our goal, and, uh, and the Lord just blessed us in doing so. Yeah, yeah. I, you said something so powerful, Dad, and I'll come back to that. Ma, what, what would you add to that, Mom? Is there anything specific that, this is all unre, uh, unrehearsed. This is unscripted, so this is not, we're just kind of going, having a family conversation. When it came to launching that family, how did you know what direction to go in and, and where, uh, how to raise me as your son? And then your daughter, five years later, how, how did you decide to do that? 
Well, we met at Lee College, a Christian college, and we got married after the first year. We were both Christians. We were both committed Christians. And that very onset in our lives helped to determine how we were going to rear you and Tammy. Okay, so, so you all have just put two major points out here today that I think is foundational to all of it that we just kind of brush over it, but, but please hear that. Individually committed believers. The way that you create a legacy is you start in your own heart. Yeah. You, you, you decide that you're going to serve Christ for yourself, and there's no wavering in that. And then, Dad, you said something that I think is powerful. You had other relationships right. in your life that were all going in the same direction. So individually decided and then corporately celebrated and encouraged we need to have it in our heart, but in our world, we need to have those relationships going in the same direction. It is critical that the foundation is laid so that something can be built on that. Because without that, you wouldn't know how to raise a child or create that ongoing legacy. It's got to be in you so then it can be something that comes outside of us. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to do anything that's going to create longevity of Christ followers, let me put it this way. The goal is not to have a Christian home. The goal is to have a Christ-following home. Right. Not just something that has good moral values and we do kind things in the community and we love people and we take cakes to our neighbor during Christmas. That's all good and fine. But it's bigger than that. It's more than that. christ Honoring, Christ serving in this house, the atmosphere of this house, the conversation of this house, the entertainment in this house, how we dress, how we talk, how we treat each other, humility, all of these things have got to be focused on serving Christ. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The only purpose that your family has is in order to fulfill the purpose of God's kingdom. Oh, yeah. Outside of that, then we're serving rogue purposes, and God has no reason to be invested and involved. God has a kingdom with a plan to touch the world, and then he birthed your family to be a part of the solution to make that happen. That's why you exist. Anything outside of the why, I'm not having a full experience of his purpose for my life. And his investment, his involvement is huge. The Bible says in the book of Joshua uh, chapter 24, Joshua was looking at all the children of Israel and talking to them, and they were in a mixed land of God. They were a God-fearing people, Israel, and then there was God, uh, God-less people, influences around. And here's what the word says. Joshua looks at him. He says, uh, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors Sir, were you served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, would you read this last line with me, just as if you're making a declaration over your house, for your name, for your family? Would you really? One, two, three. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's a declaration, a statement that you and I have got to buy into and hold on to and, and, and make it a part of our heartbeat. You all decided, as for you and your family, we were going to serve the Lord. That's why I got spanked. 
how many of y'all, I, I, you grew up where you didn't know time out, but you didn't know whoopings? Yeah. How many of you heard that phrase, this is going to hurt me more than it will hurt you? Yeah. I got to tell you, um, so back in the day, they had these things called records and record players. Some of y'all don't have a clue what that is. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a CD, but it was black and it was vinyl or really big, and you put it, and you put this little needle on and then it started playing the music, and, and it spun around. And, and I, I went out with, with one of my friends. I was a pre- my dad and mom were, were pastors, and so I was a preacher's son, and I got into some trouble. And the reason preacher's kids get in trouble is because of the member's kids. The member's kids lead the preacher's kids astray. I just want you to know that. That's, that's how that happens. And so it's not our fault. And so um, I bought a little, it's called a 45. I bought a small 45. And, and, and I, I like, so back in the day, I bought this 45 with when I was with my friend, and it was, it, it was this song. And I cranked it up. Like, I went above five to six. No, 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 I, I, I cranked it up. And it is just, oh, freak out. It's going crazy. And I'm in the house just loving it. And my mama came home. She come home, and I'm like, oh, sweat beads pop. Like, oh, no, oh, no, this is not good. And I run over, and I turn it down. And she said, what is that? Her head split, and another little head came out just talking. What is that? It's it's a it's it's a new song that's out, you know. She goes, what, 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 what are they saying? Aw, freak out. <laughs> she looked back at me. Is that what you want to do with your life? Do you want to freak out? I didn't, didn't listen to my 45 her little record anymore. It went away. I, I, discipline was in the house. It, it wasn't my room. It's the room I got to live in that they provided, which means they got to enter it anytime they wanted to and could go through whatever they wanted to because it's not stay out of my room. I don't own a room because I wasn't paying the rent. You understand? I, I ate at their table. They, we had dinner at 5 o'clock every night together around the table. didn't matter what was going on elsewhere. We had dinner together. When the streetlights come on, come home. You need to be home in the street. I, you're, you're at the house, and we're having dinner together. I had chores and didn't get paid. There was a discipline in the house that was a part of raising a godly home, transferring the principles and the structure of Jesus into your son. You see, it's one thing, it's one thing to believe it and to teach it. It's another thing to model it. Moms and dads, we have to model in our home what the word is, not just teach it. Because if we expect our kids to do something that we're not living ourselves, the hypocrisy is blaringly loud in our house. And mom and dad, you all lived this. You believed this. It wasn't just because you all were pastors. You did this because you all were Christ followers and lived that. Whether we were on vacation, I heard you all apologize to each other 
you've apologized to me. I saw humility that was being modeled. There was so much that I saw that got into my heart and my spirit, not even thinking about what my marriage would look like or what we would produce later on, but you literally started something in that home that got into me and it shaped my world and how I thought. In fact, I will remind you this, your kids buy into and serve your Jesus before he ever becomes their Jesus. I served mom and dad's Jesus all my life until I hit some hell and then he became mine. Went through a situation when I was 19. I said, if you're the God I've always heard you are, I need you now for myself. And then all of a sudden I experienced him, and it was when I went through a difficult place that then he became mine. Cindy, you then, you were raised in a Christian home, but not a ministry home. No, my, my parents were uh, the business people that supported the church, and they were very, very involved. My dad got saved later in life. My mom was raised in you know, in, in Christianity. But when we were raised, when we were born, me and my sister, we had loving parents, loving parents, Christian, they model it, they did everything right. I was not like you though. You didn't rebel, you loved the church. My sister did that. I rebelled for no reason. For no reason, I had great parents, they modeled it. But So I'm saying that intentionally because we all are born with dominion and we all have different temperaments and we all make choices and they're individual choices. And, and my parents did everything. And, and I, one thing is that they never stopped. Now, there was a standard. I had to live by that standard. If I wanted, I was not in the financially independent. I had no means to be financially independent. If I wanted their finances, I needed to live by their standards. I like Amen. to eat. So and I, there was a standard, but even when I didn't meet the standard and there was consequences for not meeting the standard, them not loving me, them punishing me emotionally was not ever a case in my family because they were God-loving people. They love at all times. They, there was grace. There was a standard. The line never moved. Trust me. I got beaten. I got a spanking every day. Every day. It was like, I'm sure there's a reason. Come here. Let me spank you. But, but when I was in my 20s, I found myself not recognizing the girl looking in the mirror. And all I knew to be true and consistent was my parents as Jesus that had blessed them, that had kept them, and then that Jesus became my Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's so strong. So you saw that in your parents. Right. They modeled it. I saw it in my parents. They modeled it in their marriage. They modeled it when it came to our family. We had Friday night out, family night, every Friday night out. Uh, started it when I was a child. And every Friday night, it did not matter. When I was in high school, big football game, Friday night, I didn't go to the game until we had dinner together on Friday night. And it wasn't because I had to, I wanted to. There was a standard set, family matters. That's what was set and the precedent was given to us. And it shaped and framed our world of the power of this is a safe place right. that I can run to. And I'm loved and supported. It transferred then into our home. 
what I saw them do, I then wanted to do. Cindy brought what she saw her parents do, wanted to do, and we collaborated, and our marriage became a little bit different, but still that God-fearing right. home because we were trying to follow the same Bible you all were following. Right. We didn't make up these principles. We found truths in God's Word that was the blueprint. And now Cindy and I were trying to follow that same thing, not realizing that we were going to have him. Right. We had a gringo Rican. Yes, we did. There he is. I, I'm the gringo. She's the Rican. And together we had one. And so, so then we have Caleb, born in 1994. Five. 95. Nine, we got married in 94. Got married in 94. See, the marriage still stays. 94, 95. So I've got too many dates now because I got now 2022s in my head uh, because we got another one on the way. So here we are. We have a son, and now we're having to mm -hmm. play this out in front of his life as well. Right. Caleb, as growing up in our home, when it comes to what that Christian family legacy matters, because your grandparents on this side and your mom's side following Christ, and now your parents following Christ, it's all you had known. It's all you had seen as far as family. Right. What were some of those principles that stood out that you can say, okay, we did this, we did this, we did this, because you had some things to compare it to with your other friends right. that weren't doing some of those things. What stood out from your perspective? Yes, sir. So t two quick things. The first one, I remember going to school early in the mornings. My mom or my dad would take me. And um, obviously as a little kid, you have to give them a kiss right before you get out of the car, right? Well, before the kiss, uh, they would always pray over me. Always, no questions asked. And the prayer would be, God, give Caleb the mind of Christ and the wisdom of Solomon. That was always their prayer. That was always their prayer, no matter who it was. And they got older where I didn't want to kiss them no more. I was like, Dad, I'll dap you up. I ain't kissing you. Like, we, we ain't doing this. I'm a senior, Dad. Stop. Uh, <laughs> but... But the prayer was always there. And so I remember that one thing. Uh, and then the other thing was this. God was not just a weekend thing or a curse word to say every other day. Uh, God and Jesus was continuously talked about in our home. Outside of a Sunday morning, outside of a Wednesday night or, or whatever the case was. They were always talking about God. So my God consciousness uh, grew. So I remember this one time, seven years old, had some health conditions and they were doing some sonograms on my heart, trying to figure out what was going on. And uh, I asked the lady who's doing the sonogram, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, that looks cool. And uh, she's like, oh, well, I can see the inside of your heart with this. I was like, oh, cool. Do you see a man in there? I promise you. And she, she looked like puzzled. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I believe in Jesus and Jesus is in my heart. So you should see a little man in there. And as cute and innocent and whatever as that was, my reality was that I had always heard it. And so I didn't know any different. I was ignorant to Jesus not being actually in my heart. And it's because of how I, the God consciousness that they grew up with, the consistency of those prayers and uh, speaking blessings and prosperity over my life, that whenever I did go out and act a fool in college, uh -huh. same thing. Easy. I know the part of me that was in you, honey, I apologize. But when I did go out and I did act a fool in college, uh, maybe I wasn't, I didn't have my eyes open to how God was involved in my life at that point in time. But I always could pull back on something that my parents had taught me. And so because of what you guys did, I had something to pull from rather than just having to learn and create this all on my own, not knowing where to start. Caleb, you said something that I think is so strong, a God consciousness. Yeah. 
I think that's one of the primary things that we create in our family is a God consciousness. An awareness that he's leading this marriage. An awareness he's to be the lead of my life. An awareness that I want my kids to be aware of who he is. Whether they're in my presence or not, I want that consciousness to always be with him. So if he's with his friends, then the God consciousness can ruin that party he should not be a part of. You understand. And all the parents said? Amen. We want that consciousness to continue. I want you to understand the power of this because watch, some of y'all going, well, I'm a single person and I don't really have that. It doesn't apply to me. I'm I'm a grandparent. Well, let me remind you throughout the Bible, the impact and the power of kinfolk. Paul, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, looks to his protege, Timothy. He says, Timothy, I pray that the things that you learn from Lois, your grandmother, and Eunice, your mother, will be stirred in you, and those truths, those God-fearing truths will come out. In other words, grandma and mom raised Timothy because scholars say that Timothy's dad was gone, either killed or out of the picture. So a fatherless home, but grandma and mama took care of business and raised a young man that was going to declare the word of the Lord. That's powerful. We also have a picture of a young lady named Esther. A Jewish girl who becomes a Persian queen, but she got there because she had an uncle named Mordecai. And that uncle continued to believe in her and putting scripture in her and telling her God's plan. And an uncle helped to change the trajectory of her life, which changed the entire nation. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that kinfolk can be a blessing. And you and I have a purpose and a power to play in our family and our lineage. and our Regardless of where you fit in the family, your voice has impact. We need each other. We see brothers throughout the Bible encouraging each other, sometimes fighting each other. But we need family in this. So whether you're single, whether you're engaged, newlywed, a parent, grandpa, whatever the case may be, there's impact we all have in each other's lives to play this forward. And if you're single in the place and you say, Scott, man, I'm... I'm in college and I got an apartment, that's all I got. Well, good, then you need to put above the door, as for me and my apartment, we will serve the Lord. That what happens up inside this place is going to be God-honoring. My friendships are going to be God. You can act the fool out there, but when you come up inside of here, there is a standard inside the walls of this, of this place where I live. This atmosphere is going to be Christ-honoring, God-honoring. We need to set standards again back in our lives and have principles in our... This is where our culture has kissed their brains goodbye. They're trying everything, every idea they can find to try to find some excitement and something that's solid. But here's what I've found. We've lived this. I've watched it in them. That the standard that you set when you're making decisions eventually is the standard that will hold you when you're about to lose your mind. Standards are a safe place. They're not there to hurt you or to limit you. They're there to liberate you and set you into the next dimension of what life can be so that we don't try a uh, three-year detour where you get off at an exit and all of a sudden you're wasting time and going through emotions and money and relationships. We can live straight and strong and experience all that God has for us. So we need right relationships in our life to begin to set the standard. We need to be committed in our own personal lives as for me and my house. We need to see it modeled so that we can live this thing out and we can pay it forward. And then as we're raising our kids, we pour it into them the best that we can and we pray with them and we speak over them where they're going so that that God consciousness comes alive and then they actually believe at a young age that there's a little man living in their heart. 
You create their reality, ladies and gentlemen. That means you talk to your kids about Jesus. Exactly. We discuss him at the dinner table. We talk to him over the Chick-fil-A table. We lean into these conversations, and and we go there so that talking about Jesus is no longer weird in our family. Exactly. No, that's what we do. We talk about life, ball games, Jesus, dating. It's just all there together, and he's the context that keeps it moving forward. Elizabeth, you've got a little bit on the way. And you're about to be, well, you're mama right now, but you're about to be holding like, and they're, they're going to they're gonna spit you out of the hospital and say, okay, go raise him. That's going to happen. It's kind of weird. Very weird. I'm going to be like, what When do you think it? about the principles that you want to raise Malachi with, you've been a part of this crazy family, you've got some great parents, what, what are some things that you look at that you would say, I want, I've learned this, I've seen this, I want to, some of these things to be in play for Malachi? Um, well, some of them Caleb and I have already talked about briefly, but mostly, like, I just want fun. I want, I want Malachi to feel safe and have fun at how, at our house. Like, not just he feels like he has to go somewhere else. Um, and one thing that Caleb, a story that he shared with me that you guys did for him that really stuck out to me was when you guys messed up, you pulled him aside and publicly, like, apologized and for me, I want to show him that because we're not going to be perfect. We're, like, he's going to come out and be like, I don't know what to do with you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that is such I'm not a ready. reality girl. <laughs> she don't so know. I'm just going to go with what we know and obviously our relationship with God. Church is not going to be an option. Yes. Whether it's kid church or youth group. I exactly. wa- wish I had that when I was growing up, but I didn't. So I want that for him so he has the environment. We put him in the environment so he can have those people so to do life with. So he's required to go to church? Yes. <gasps> Even now. <laughs> Even now, you're like you're bringing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, no choice. To, to add something to that, we're talking about the standard, and we're talking about being Christians individually and then having the people in our life. I could think to many people that are still in this room that because of the standard of our house of you could fuss, cry, yell, scream in the car as we go to church, but we're, but we're going to go whenever I got here because of the Christ modeled home that you guys were leading, you connected me with some other people who weren't necessarily kinfolk by blood, but kinfolk by choice, family of choice. They were had the same standards using the Bible to be that thing. Sure. So where they I was able to see another way that it could be modeled. Yes. I think of the Pastor Freddie's uh and Miss Missy, uh Pastor Tamika and Pastor Alonzo. Yes. But just these people that have been here in my life that even if I didn't want to believe it with you guys. It wasn't the weird thing because there was others that were doing it as well. We owe you so much for helping to reinforce everything. Thank you. No, it's, it's true. It takes a village. It takes a village. Elizabeth, you said something I want to hit on that you want Malachi to hear the apologies in the house from the adults to each other. And Caleb brought that up to you because one time Cindy and I had one of those discussions that could be heard three blocks down the road. It was just intense fellowship. Amen. And Caleb was close by, and he heard that, and it went down in a way that I was humiliated, and I got so convicted, so I had to call him back in and repent to Cindy in front of him and then repent to him for that going down. That, you, that We don't talk to family members that way, but to your wife, and I, I had to fix that. And the reason I could do that is my mom. I will never forget. There was a distinct moment that she called me and my sister in one day. And she said, I need to talk to you two. 
And she proceeded to apologize to us for her attitude that she had had the week before. A lot of things have been going on stressfully in work and, and ministry. And she said, I was very short and very curt with my attitude, and I need to apologize to you all because I, it was just wrong that, what my attitude was. Okay, at that moment, my mom's apologizing to me. Oh, my God, what's going on? The, the world's coming to an end. This is crazy. Okay. It made such an indelible mark on me. I realized those who are in authority can actually apologize as well and should because I knew she had an attitude. I'm glad she owned up to it. But, but, I, 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 so, but she, she owned it. She owned it. And she gave me a license to own it in front of my son. She modeled it, the humility and the forgiveness and repentance so that he could see it and realize that's what we do when we damage something. We go back and fix it. We own our part of it. Let's heal it together. And so just another example of how this continues to pass down the line. Ladies and gentlemen, you can establish a godly home. You can set principles right now that as for you and your house, watch this, no generational curses, generational blessings. No divorce in this house. Marriages to stand together. Health and joy and laughter. Poverty broken. Resources released. More than enough flowing. You can have that in your house. You can live by that. And one of the ways that that happens is because we have family legacy. My mom presented me with a little book. Christmas 2011. I'm going to just read to you. The opening page. I was saved in 1959 at the age of 15 at the Church of God in Kaywood, Kentucky, and my life was completely transformed. This young, poor country girl with little hope for a meaningful future quickly learned how real God was. As I matured spiritually and grew in an intimate relationship with Him, I began recognizing His voice and experiencing His sweet presence. Reflecting over our home life, I couldn't remember how well many of these experiences I'd shared with you. So a few years ago, I began recording what I remembered in hopes that they would bless you. I'm sure some will be familiar. If Jesus tarries and my generation passes, I hope that over your years of life, these memoirs of my generation will be a legacy of faith to pass on to Caleb. Love, Mom. I have... multiple stories of how God came through and blessed our family. How he provided when there was nothing there. It goes on and goes on expressing to me this is God's faithfulness to our Thomas family. He'll do it for everybody but you need to know how faithful he's been to we Thomases. This is why we Thomases live this way. That's right. We have decided as for me, for we and our house, we serve the Lord. That's right. We don't make excuses. We don't chase culture. We love people. We're there for everybody. They don't have to believe like we believe in order to reach them, love them, serve right. them, care for them. Right. But we don't come off the standard of God's word. We keep it lifted high because it can be a loving, healing uh, family for across the nation. Wherever we are, we can experience the life change that Jesus has in us for somebody else. We don't come off that standard. And so from this generation 
to this generation, to this generation, to that generation. It's only growing. And now things are getting stronger and greater. Can I express something, show you something? Free Life Chapel, I know you call Cindy and I the lead pastors, and we are. But don't be confused because we're not. This church, my feet, are standing on their shoulders. And the reason this house is here is because of what they poured into me as a child. And I believe, begin to believe God is able to step in faith, to trust God, to believe, to sow, to do whatever it takes to know that God is good. I saw them model it. I've got a book of God's faithfulness right here to prove to me that if he said it, he'll do it. He's done it before, he'll do it again. I've got my Bible and I've got my mama's book of testimonies that I can build my life on. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we take a launch and we just trust God and birth the church. We leveraged every dollar we own in order to invest and birth this at the Lakeland Center only to see what God is doing here and now to see our son and our daughter now stepping on our shoulders and going to levels that we will never be able to experience on our own. God is continuing the legacy and here's what's beautiful. One day Malachi when he's old enough to realize what's going on, he'll say thank God for my great, great grandparents who birthed this family. Thank God for my grandparents who raised my dad and mom and encouraged them this way. And now my mom and my dad have laid the foundation and now my generation, this is what we do. Ladies and gentlemen, you can start a legacy in your family of God-fearing, Christ-serving young men and women and really truly say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is the goal behind this. That's what we're doing. I want to ask you to stand to your feet if you would. Can I, can I show you the power of legacy? in a way that you're not expecting? We're birthing this campus at Polk Correctional Institute. I mean, it's, it's underway. Where did the passion or the desire for this to come from? When mom and dad were on staff here, dad was driving to Avon Park Correctional Institute and he was visiting the prisons every month he was down there. He was visiting regular j just jails all through the area. Wherever he could get to an incarceration place, he was going and visiting with men that he could just be there and connect with and encourage. That was his life's blood. And then he was moving into his retirement years, and that's kind of how he, because he pastored for decades. Been, he's spoken all across the nation in leadership of it, that, that mom and dad, God has used them mightily. But I want to show you how my dad started ministry. Put that picture up. This is my dad when he was in the Marine Corps. He's in Okinawa, Japan. And the tall guy in the white shirt standing up at the, at the, in the back of the picture is my dad preaching in a prison in Okinawa, Japan. That's the translator standing beside him. And he's translating dad's message to men that dad has never met. And while he was on the island serving the Marine Corps, he was going and preaching in prisons, trying to give the hope, life, and love of Jesus away there only for us here to be at this level. Now we are birthing a prison ministry that, Dad, it's coming straight out of your spiritual roots and the foundation, the DNA of you. It's continuing, Dad. It's continuing. It's not slowing down. It's not slowing down. Those men, I don't know how many men were there in that room. I don't know how many were there. 
about 80 in attendance. Well, Free Life is going to be with 1,200 every week. We will have the opportunity to minister to 1,200 every week. That, that's next level, Dad. Out of your spirit, the Spirit of the Lord births that in my heart to see something happen there. So it just continues. There is spiritual richness and legacy, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to come out of you. It's going to go into some cousins. It's going to go into some nephews and some nieces. It's going to go into a brother or a sister. Uh, you don't know how God wants to use the standard that you have set. As for me and my house, I'm not coming off of this. I will serve the purposes of God with my life. And when we do that, it changes things. In, in, during that season, Dad, even while he was there, even wrote a song this song has been published. It's been recorded on long play albums. It actually is in the red back hymnal. If you've ever been to a Pentecostal church and had a red back hymnal, page 87, he's alive. It was, it was put in the hymnal. And, Dad, this is going to be a family legacy in our home. This is the actual sheet music for the song that you wrote. And we're going to continue celebrating this because of what God has done in you. It will continue to flow for generations. The godly legacy matters. Mom and Dad Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for believing. Thank you for saying no to me. Thank you for saying yes to me. Thank you for praying over me. Thank you for praying over our family, for praying over our kids, for praying over our ministry. They're just believing and serving and loving and giving. You have sacrificed so much. But look at the reward and look at what is happening here when we get to heaven and begin to celebrate the true riches of what God has done through your all's staying together and praying and ministering and raising a family that could outlive you. That's what this is all about. Because there's one greater. Dad, this is for you to take home with you. So we'll, we'll have that waiting on you. I want you to understand today, God's got a plan to use your life and your family. Not to just, not to fit in, but to change culture. We're not a subculture. We are a counterculture. And it doesn't mean we oppose, but it means we stand our ground with the truth and the hope and the Word of God. We love people wherever they are, but we're not confused on what truth is and how God's Word works. Ladies and gentlemen, decide today, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Young people in this room, listen to me. When you've got a godly mom, a mom and dad, a dad, grandparents, aunts and uncles, celebrate that legacy Thank God for moms and dads who are doing all that they can to pursue Christ and set a standard in that home. It will keep you. It will bless you. And one day when a little bit more age hits your life and you look backwards on these days, you'll say, thank God for a home that set a standard for me to grow up and live in. Anybody have a grandmother that helped set a standard in your house? And who was? Come on, thank God for grandma right there, right? And auntie, thank God for the aunties and the grand. Yes, thank God. Father, thank you for the joy that we have of knowing you, of serving you, of experiencing you, of living in and for you. I pray, God, that you would stir a righteous hunger inside of all of us to dial it up, not to back off or back away, but, but to lean in and go hard in serving you and raising a family, having a culture, having an atmosphere, a, a dialogue, a conversation, entertainment, the time inside of our homes that are going to be God-honoring, creating the next generation of Christ's followers. God, we want to honor you with our lives, but honor with our families, and we want to serve your purposes with our family. Every single family, every home, which is actually a church, a congregation, 
I pray that your spirit is honored there. You are welcome there. The conversation that happens there is God honoring. That humility and love and laughter are a part of all of it. God, use us, speak to us, direct us, and lead us that our kinfolk will be people who will honor you, serve you, love you, and know you, that we can impact this generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time, would you honor him? Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much.